Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Network Controller Security with Dana Yanch and Dan Demirs from Elicity. Dan, Dana, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Darren. Hey, uh, Dana, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, why we're talking today, and then we'll head over to Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Darren. Uh, so I'm Dana Yanch. I'm Director of Technical Marketing at Elicity. My background is, well, has been hardcore networking for I don't know, the last 15 years, a lot of software-defined networking, wide-area networking, the SD-WAN world, which is something I was focused on for a long time. And then the cloud world, I went to work for a company called Aviatrix for a period of time. And it's been great, but I came back to my roots here on uh, network security at Elicity. Great, thanks, uh, Dana. What about you, Dan? Your background is different than Dana's. I know that it's because we've talked yeah. quite a few times. Yeah, I, I started. Uh, I've, I've been in networking most of the time, um, but I started out in the services area uh, with advanced services at Cisco for a few years. Down in oil, did some oil and gas work down in Houston, and then I moved over into kind of sassy SD WAN space after that for several years. And then um, uh, worked with Dana in the past, and then we jumped over here to Elicity, and now more focused on network security, but also software-defined security. It's kind of a an elusive uh, term here in the sense of where it quite lands, but from a micro-segmentation through identity. Yeah, this is something really unique about um, what your guys' approach to securing networks and, and things like that. Very different than what I've seen traditionally and what I learned. Right when I started doing networking, um, it's, it's very different and very unique. So I, w I was very fascinated. So let's start off with the first question: Why, why not just use v VLANs and firewalls just to protect my network? Isn't that good enough to create micro segmentation? Because that's what I was told. So yeah. why why do any different than that? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty common question. We've been doing one way, one thing for a long time, and, and why why fix what's uh, potentially not broken? But actually, it is. It's it's quite broken in this day and age. So, I mean, for me to talk about that, I need to preface it a little bit uh, about what we've been focused on for the last fifteen years or more in in network security, and that's been hardening the perimeter of the network. I'm sure you've heard that that terminology before, the perimeter of the network. And that's things like the WAN edge, the internet edge, DMZs, remote access edge. And so what we've spent a lot of time and energy spent there making this impenetrable wall around our enterprises. And that's still important, but the problem that problem's been solved for a long time. Firewalls do an incredible job keeping people out of the network. But for the most part, we neglected the inside of the network uh, where there's been this explosion of new connectivity requirements because of all this IOT and IOMT and OT and IIOT that's just being connected uh, internally to absolutely everything, to the internet, to, to resources. And yeah. So, you know, it reminds me, we, we, we did, we did a podcast on zero trust architectures mm -hmm. and we compared it to a castle. So what you're telling me is you built a really strong moat, you built really strong walls around your castle, mm -hmm. and we've done a great job at that. But what you're saying is inside the castle, once I'm inside, it's like a free-for-all. 
Is yeah, that pretty the, safe to say? Exactly. For the most part, that's that's pretty much what, we, what we've seen. We've been looking at a lot of networks with our customers and finding out that the inside of the network has been implicitly permitted. Because, you know, if you've made it past this robust outer wall and into the network, you must be a legitimate user you must be device. A, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but that's really not the case. It's It's not the case this day. And so... I mean, as you're well aware, the majority of the attacks that are happening these days are happening from the inside of the network, namely from exploited, trusted users, devices, and applications. It's almost like the Trojan horse. Well, that's where Trojan horse came from, right? The whole concept. Yeah, that's right. right. They brought the Trojan horse inside the security uh, walls of Troy, right? That's what happened. <laughs> that's right. I mean, and then they came out and killed everyone right yeah i mean what that means is that these threat actors they're crawling around the network that's that's got all these channels that are fully open that we've never sat down and analyzed and it's shut down you know made it so that only what you need to access to do your job is open and everything else is closed off right that's something we've totally just ignored and now it's time to go back and fix this because all sorts of organizations are being you know, they're getting brought to their knees because of all the threats that are happening now. All right. So but I, the, the term I've heard on this is just micro segmentation. Yeah. So why not just create a bunch of VLANs with firewalls around each VLAN and say, hey, only these applications can talk to each other. Yeah. And why not? Why not just go that route? That's right. Yeah, it's a good question. And that's the what we need to answer here. And that's what we've been focused on solving for. Let's see. The problem with traditional mechanisms of segmentation, and I say that lightly when we talk about VLANs, you know, but uh, things like leveraging VLANs or IP ACLs or firewalls with access control entries in them, there's all sorts of reasons why they don't work today for lateral movement security. They work great for the edge of the network and work great for very specific maybe bottlenecks or, or aggregation points. Um, I'll talk about three common ones, okay? And that this should frame the conversation pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. So number one, VLANs, ACLs, firewalls, their scalability and operational efficiency is questionable, right? Managing VLANs, IP ACLs and firewalls across large enterprises is done quite manually, right? It's not a scalable mechanism. It's not a distributed software defined architecture. It requires box by box configuration, line by line. They're not dynamic in any way and they don't respond to anything happening on the network. They're just not intelligent enough, right? These are kind of dumb mechanisms that kind of work for certain environments, but in the grand scheme of things, for large enterprises, lateral movement, it's not a efficient way to do this. What happens also that we've seen is that you might try to use these features, these functionalities, and you'll come back and realize that there's a network full of random holes. It's like a Swiss cheese network because people have put little access control entries that allow this and that. And out of nowhere, you now have. Uh, well, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, that's that's your that's your software developers, right? They do that all over the place. Yeah, because we, we just want the thing right? to work. Right. So, like, OK, like, we're under pressure. Let's just make it work. And nobody comes back and solves for it. I'm your worst user as far as security goes. Because if I need to download something or if I need a port open so I can attach to an external service, I open the port. Yep. Right. 
right? I don't ask permission. So, Dan, you were going to say something about this. How do you manage all well, this? Yeah, one of the one of the things that always hit me was that your users are your, your greatest asset, but also your biggest risk in the sense of users are, especially the operators of networks, in the sense of, hey, I'm going to open up that VLAN or change this one piece just to do a quick test, but then don't undo the change. or Well, because yeah, or, something else happened, yeah, right? Or VLAN started especially the VLAN example, we've actually seen this in the real world numerous times where a VLAN or some kind of verf or a construct will start with a use case and then it'll slowly creep to other use cases and all of a sudden what was a 10 device VLAN is now having 40, 50, 60 devices and, and in the OT world, it might have six or seven different processes running inside of it because that's the that was the trusted, the, you know, the safe VLAN that wasn't the dirty one, uh, but then it kind of blew up over 10 years because these environments often... Uh, they're static a lot of the time, but they, they kind of grow yes. slow and aren't documented. Yeah. Okay, so this brings up something interesting. What you're saying is VLANs and firewalls do work in very static environments where I can where I know everything that's going to happen on there and and in small scale. Well, one thing that, that, that's what I just heard, right? Yeah, that, that brings me to the. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, that brings me because it got excited because that brings me to the other two points around the efficacy of these mechanisms, right? The fact that VLANs and firewalls are inherently in the wrong place in the network to provide lateral movement security is the big problem. I mean, if you're in the same VLAN as another device that or user or, or application, that communication channel is completely open and available, even though it may not have to be. And firewalls are typically not even deployed in a strategic place where it can handle that access level lateral movement. You have to funnel traffic up to a firewall, get it back down. It's just, it's not the most efficient. And then you have a bottleneck. And, exactly, yeah. yeah. So just, they're not even seeing the traffic that we're trying to secure most of the time. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So that goes into that scalability issue as well then. Yeah. Right? First off, they're not catching the, the right traffic. Doesn't really um, prevent lateral movement inside the same uh, network, right? Yeah, not, not to mention, if I'm a um, VLAN and I have a process running inside, it's some kind of use case, what's to stop me from going from port 3 to port 32 in the same VLAN? Nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah, There's nothing, nothing to, to... And it, it comes down to what was the intended what's the intended function that should be occurring versus what could occur and that's often often people will design security around what they they'll put security up into a point of all right this is what i'm going to allow i'm thinking it's whitelist but it's it's not they don't actually think of how could this be turned around and used differently because when when bad actors are looking at networks they're not looking of how they should be functioning they're looking at how they can take what is functioning and twist it to get some type of outcome they're looking to do and they're not using your tools, they're using their tools. Well, it, isn't that a developer as well? Oh, sure. As a so I'm a software developer, right? And, and I'm trying to find ways to get my work done most effectively. And I will jump ports. I, t I do that, right? Yeah. Which is awful, I know. I'm, but I do jump ports, right? Especially if for some reason a port goes down, I'm going to jump ports onto something else and, and try other... Uh, through a range of ports. I mean, that's just something that I've done. Yeah. But what you're saying is that's kind of dangerous is, uh, in in the current VLAN environment, right? Because I, I'm kind of open. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And firewalls, nobody's placing fire, hundreds or thousands of firewalls across their entire access edge to get that type of visibility. It'd be impossible to manage, and it'd be fiscally 
uh, restrictive, right? There's no way a lot of organizations can handle putting these firewalls everywhere. So, is, so isn't that isn't that the balance? The balance between flexibility that I need to actually deliver my application or my data, and also security. Aren't they at odds with each other? Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, to an extent, they are at odds, and it be based on current technologies. Because for the last 15, 20 years, um, ever since the firewall, you know, in the 90s really be, kind of became a thing, The it's been the go-to tool. Hey, I need security, I'll throw a firewall in. Hey, I've got to separate two things, I'll throw a firewall in. It's always been this L3, two or three hops up in the network kind of thinking. And the whole market, all the vendors including have, you know, the, the major vendors have kind of gone down that path in the sense of, hey, you know, we're going to invest there because it may not be the best possible way to do it, but it's a way that that is rinse and repeatable. And yeah. um, that. Oh, I see. They're, yeah. So they, they first did it because it was exactly. easy. Well, it was it was probably, you know, day one, first firewall iteration, 80s, 90s ish, um, true kind of modern firewall thinking. It was a, a wild success day one. It's more like day 20,000, you know, some, you know, many years later, the success, you know, calculation is, is much different. Well, and, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the scalability, the sophistication of cyber attacks yeah. now. Yeah, totally. Um, so, all right. So what you're telling me is we've got an internal combustion engine, the firewall, and it's time to replace it with uh, electric, electric. I love that. I'm a massive Tesla yeah. fan. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So. So what? So what? I, I, you have a third I, one though, I right? You, you gave me two. Yeah, the third one to me is probably the most interesting out of them all, and it's the fact that these legacy solutions, these legacy security slash segmentation solutions, don't take into consideration identity, or the context, or the behavior of the asset that's connected to the network. So there, it means it's really unintelligent. It's a really network centric, topology dependent, and rigid way to provide. Uh, some measure of basic security. I mean, an IP address tells me nothing about the legitimacy of the asset uh, and, and the network that it's it's attached to, right? It doesn't tell you anything. So how can you secure this network in a dynamic fashion when you don't even really know what's out there connecting to the network? How can you make a policy in the first place when you, without any with any type of granularity if all you're matching on are five tuple network constructs as your policy matching criteria it doesn't work in this day and age yeah that's really fascinating because what you're saying is every di every device according to the network every device is equal that's right yeah They're, they all look the same to, to right. us yeah, how, how are you supposed to get granular? they all look the same right but i can't i analyze traffic and then you know, based off the type of traffic, I can do different things with that, it, well, but that's not the analysis a... happen. It's going to be happening. Yeah. Hops up and yeah, several hops up. See, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Which means I have exposure. Yeah. And, and let's say, let, let's say we, uh, we tapped everything and we saw everything. Um, uh, the analysis is going to still happen in the traditional thinking, multiple hops away, firewall thinking or some kind of appliance. And then any type of enforcement it may or may not be able to do is going to be up there. It's not going to be down here. And so I might know something occurred. And that, that, that's very valuable. That's not to take away from the value. It's the whole concept of, uh, uh, you know, protect, detect, and then kind of some kind of response. Um, that's very over, to oversimplify it. But 
we still need the, de the detection. We still need to know something bad happened even if we didn't protect ourselves. That's incredibly, and that's actually an underused part of cybersecurity in the sense of not, not, there's more value to be put in there. But the ability to stop something from happening and then detect something could have happened and I killed it before it happened, that's something that can happen uh, and should be happening at the very edge of the network as close to the asset as possible, whatever that asset may be. That's really interesting. Let's go back to my castle. I got my castle. So what you guys are telling me is as people are coming through my castle, I'm sending my report on who's come through and what they're carrying with them off to another city to go tell them and they're going to analyze it. And then they'll get back to me on who's in my castle. That's what today happens. Yeah. And then they'll make a, they'll, I mean, to keep the analogy going, they'll make a rule somewhere on the road outside the city of, hey, if anyone, you know, comes and goes from this city, we're going to kill that, you know, that behavior. Uh, but the the what if, and then it's not even a what if, the what happens often is it all stays within that little realm. It doesn't yeah. actually leave and go to the other city or hit the highway and so forth. Yeah, great analogy. Oh, very, very fascinating. Okay, guys, so um, we've scared everyone. Um, There's a solution, don't worry. <laughs> To find out about a solution to solve the network controller security problems, listen to Dana and Dan explain identity-based micro-segmentation in the second part of this interview. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.